You're listening to the Global Ooj Podcast, where every week we learn about the world through the eyes of entrepreneurship. With your host, Ujwal Velagapudi. Think about how easy it is to call a cab if we need a ride these days. We just pull out our phone and use one of the many ride-sharing apps in our country. Gaurav Biswas is looking to make it just as easy to book a truck for companies with his technology-enabled aggregation platform called Trucker. If you're wondering how exactly that works and who would need this kind of service, then keep listening. Gaurav's doing some big things in the Middle East and Northern Africa regions. Gaurav, originally from India, has lived all over the world with a heavy focus on large-scale commercial real estate projects. He takes us through the difficulties of regulation with international borders, the adaptation of the Middle East to enable technology, and how he had raised tens of millions of dollars for Trucker. So like I was saying, I've been, uh, you know, pretty much a global citizen, worked and, you know, lived across the world. I was brought up primarily in India with a few years, you know, in the UK, then finished my higher education in the UK, started working in Edinburgh, then London, and then moved uh, to the Middle East. And I've had businesses in the US. I was in, in between for a couple of years, I was in Los Angeles. So your question about opportunities are all over. I think I can't agree more, you know, so I have... Uh, experience a different country when I was growing up and a completely different country when I was getting my higher education. And then I worked in different parts of the world. And then Middle East is quite an interesting place. You know, people have very different perceptions of the Middle East. Middle East is anything from Iraq to Dubai, and they're very different from each other. So I think your question about whether entrepreneurs or next generation entrepreneurial guys need to look at opportunities all over the place, I completely agree with you. Yeah, like you said, you're truly all over the world. How has that made an impact on your perception right now in your current operations and how you've actually expanded Trucker to various regions in different countries? So I think travel anyways generally broadens your outlook towards everything. I don't think there is any specific impact on a particular thing that you're doing at a moment in time. So, you know, if you travel across the world, I've traveled to many other parts of the world, including the Far East, parts of Europe, Africa. I think travels generally, I strongly believe, makes you wiser and also makes you appreciate diversity, also makes you appreciate on a, on a day, and every day when you are in business or you're working anywhere, or you're dealing with, you know, customers, people come from different backgrounds, different cultures, different upbringing, and they all deal with the same problem or same challenge in different way. So if you are somebody who's traveled around, seen different communities and cultures, then I think it makes you that much more qualified to be able to, you know, handle all these different ways of doing the same thing. And there is no right or wrong answer. So I think Travel certainly makes you much wiser. And I, I think learning is another thing that you never stop. I think the day you feel that you know everything, that's the day that you stop learning. Could you take us a little bit through what Trucker is exactly and how the concept actually came to be a few years back? I don't come from any supply chain or logistics background. So Trucker is a very logistics heavy you know, technology startup. And so the idea of Trucker came to me by fluke. You know, I wasn't looking to create a technology startup. I was not looking for an idea and definitely not in the logistics sector. So my entire background before Trucker has been real estate transaction advisory. So my work in the UK, my work in Dubai, other parts of, you know, Middle East, in Los Angeles, 
has all been around real estate development. I, I, I also own a real estate development company in Dallas. Trucker came out, you know, over a dinner table. So the, the idea was we, we were off on holiday and uh, a very close friend of mine, he manufactures fertilizers. And this guy was constantly being haggled by his logistics team about some trucking issue for his you know shipment the next day uh, to the point that he you know we were having dinner in a restaurant and he had to leave and he had to go out and shout on somebody and you know he was really really hassled so when he came back i said what's going on and and he was like i've got seven trucks that i that has to leave my factory for the port tomorrow and right now my transportation guy is telling me that only four trucks will come in the morning and the other three trucks he will tell me in the morning when they will arrive, which means they will not come in the morning. And all his seven containers had to go in the same ship, right? And I was like, hey, you should have something like an Uber for trucks. There are like trucks, empty trucks all around industrial parks. And then somehow that idea stayed with me. And generally, I'm a very high risk taking individual. You know, if I feel there is a potential into something, I would really like to go after that. So two months from that dinner, I had already registered Trucker as a business. And I reached out to the co-founder, Pradeep. He's the main architect of all the technology. I'm not the tech guy. I'm more of the deal-making guy. And he's the guy who really is the tech guy. So I connected with him. I asked him about how difficult is it to create an Uber kind of technology. And he was like, not that difficult. And, uh, you know, so and that's how Trucker started. And, and so what about your operations today? Um, how many countries are you guys in and how many locations are you spread out throughout the Gulf and the North Daphne region? So Trucker's business is primarily right now operating large trucks. So these are the big 12 meters and 15 meter trailer trucks that you see around port areas or in big industrial areas. We do some small trucks also, but I would say 95% of our revenue comes from big trucks. So we are grow right now we are operating across 12 ports, uh, 16 offices across four countries, uh, which is United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, and Bahrain. Uh, we are now under incorporation in six additional countries. So by end of the year, we will be operating in about 10 countries. And so as far as your actual operations, you do not own the actual trucks themselves, correct? You are working with various partners to get them onto your platform so that you can potentially be merging the actual consumer, that the business that actually needs the service and the, the trucking company, the logistics companies, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, when we were discussing about the idea for Trucker, one of the single biggest things that came up during my research about this industry, and that is also the single biggest reason why we continue to be very bullish about what we are doing, is the fragmentation. So the supply of trucks is extremely fragmented. So if you look at North America or China or Middle East or India, or Europe, the ownership of trucks is very, very fragmented. So in most markets, more than 80, 90% of the trucks belong to single user operators. And when that happens, you know, there is this fragmentation creates a lot of inefficiencies because of multiple brokers. And normally when you're a single transporter, you can't really go to a company and contract because the company is going to be like, hey, okay, but I want somebody who can handle multiple shipments. I can't just individually contract with one truck owner. And because of that fragmentation, what happens is there are many, many small brokers who all share this fragmented side of the supply. 
And sometimes when you go to a broker and say, hey, I want 20 trucks, if you can only still arrange five trucks, he will never say no. He will say, okay, I'll, I'll arrange 20 trucks. But then you will get one, two, sometimes three brokers getting paid in the same deal. So you might be paying uh, paying $100 and finally what reaches to the guy who's doing the job is probably just $70 or $60 because there are two or three brokers in between who've made their commission in getting that truck to you. So what our business model focuses around is we try and connect with the drivers directly through the use of technology. And I think that is where it is most important where one, we are extremely competitive. We are beating down the rates of these brokers by a big margin. Second, obviously, you know, being a well-funded startup that gives us the idea, you know, ability to be very reliable in terms of our customer service, very reliable in terms of implementation of processes. So we're much more like a corporate kind of a broker with rates which are lower than the individual broker. So if you think about companies that have really done well in this, or road freight operators. There is C.H. Robinson in the U.S., very large broker. There is DHL, which is a global player doing a lot of road freight across the world. But a lot of these companies, even when you see the kind of market share, they probably have less than 2% or 5% market share. And this is why this industry is so frank. So it's an ideal kind of business for a technology-based aggregator. So there are so many trucks out there which, which are looking for jobs that it does not really make any sense to buy your own trucks. You rather make that investment to aggregate that available supply and organize that offering to the guy who needs to move his cargo. That's amazing. I mean, the numbers, I, I knew that many operators were, they owned a single truck and they ran it themselves, but those numbers are just skewed completely in one direction, favoring an aggregator like, like yourself. So that definitely makes sense. And obviously using the technology to remove those brokers there not truly providing a, a real value add, especially when you're looking at a fleet of 20, like you said, and they only have access to a handful. So you did mention funding in there, being a well-funded startup. So can you talk about various rounds that you guys have gone through and how, how challenging it was, or maybe not challenging, to raise funds and those various rounds within the Middle East? Yeah, sure. So, so raising money is never easy, especially when you're trying to raise money for a technology business. So I've been raising money all my life, right? So I've been raising money for real estate and development. Raising money is always hard, but when you're raising money for real estate or raising money for something tangible, it is comparatively simpler because, you know, I'm going to take the money, but I'm going to buy land. I'm going to take the money or get a contractor to build a house or an office or, you know, whatever. But when you say I'm going to take money and I'm going to create this technology solution and this is going to do this, it becomes that much harder. So you need to be focusing on high risk money, obviously, right? So all the venture capital companies that are across the world, they are obviously, they understand this and they're prepared to invest in high risk, high return kind of businesses. With regards to Trucker, I think we've been fairly lucky uh, in, in a lot of ways. And, and I would say lucky because we played some of these things very, very smart. One, we did not try raising money without being a revenue generating business. And, and a lot of, you know, startup uh, uh, founders and entrepreneurs try and raise money with an idea, you know, with the, with, and, and they're very passionate about the idea. And you have to be, if you're not passionate about your own idea, then why would anybody put their money into you? But the same thing also goes about, you know, when you're raising high risk money, you need to be also demonstrating that you have all skin in the game. Like you're asking for somebody 
to give you money where in a technology business his hundred dollars might become zero dollars because of the risk associated with a tech business he needs to you need to demonstrate that you have also put in all your skin in the game being the founder so this is something that we did so we remained self-funded for quite some time until we were able to prove that we are not only generating revenue, but we are also able to demonstrate growth on a month-on-month -month basis. And then we were very selective about the kind of investors we wanted at every stage of our fundraise. So that's about my advice on you know fundraising. And but then again, there is never a right answer about this is what works. I'm right now about to start raising our Series B, and I think that's going to come with different challenges. You know, different investor profile. We're looking for different things it's always a constant you know perseverance with regards to the region the middle east is definitely more challenging than silicon valley or china or other parts of southeast asia not because there is less money here in fact there is abundance of money here a lot of these silicon valley funds and uh, other parts of the world the funds have middle eastern lps who are investing into other regions so there's no shortage of cash here but the ecosystem is not matured enough to be evaluating high tech high risk high return kind of businesses but then from the time trucker started in end of 2016 to now in the last almost four years now i have seen this ecosystem mature significantly so when we when we got started maybe you could count the number of early stage investors on on your fingers now there are so many more you know that there's also the conversations are much more matured rather than earlier it used to be only valuation and there wasn't much of a discussion around the business model what is exactly are you fundamentally doing in the business and a lot of it used to be valuation i think i see a lot of that maturity you know coming in very quickly here and why do you think that shift had actually happened uh, do you think it was just seeing more startups have success or what actually do you think led to the shift in that mindset because that's a pretty major shift right to go from let's say investing in stable sustainable businesses that have been around for many years to the startup world for an investor for investment firms that's a very dramatic shift so what do you think actually led to that and do you see that progressing even more so in the coming years so i think there are three things that i can think of you know why this is uh, on an upward trajectory number one i think there are a lot of smart people around who were you know investing into high tech high risk startup in, in businesses in silicon valley or in other parts of the world but not making those investors investments directly maybe they were going through silicon valley based fund so like i said you know a lot of these people were aware of you know investing in an uber or investing in, 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 a, in a Twitter or investing in a LinkedIn. So they were already aware of technology businesses. A lot of them started focusing into making those investments closer to home. So that's one that, you know, the, the, the money was always there. They all were aware of what is happening. Second, I think the regional focus on digitization, innovation has also happened from the regulator. I would like to mention places like Dubai. Dubai is, I feel a lot of ways, Dubai is like a corporation. It is not really a country. It is run by the Sheikh and he runs the country like, like a, like, you know, Dubai Incorporated. You know, it's, it's like it's run mega corporation. So things that would otherwise take generations or years to happen can happen in months or weeks in Dubai. And, and the leadership is very, very visionary. So they, they very rapidly we made it very easy to own a business, to create a business, to you know take higher risk and uh, being and be innovative. So, so that's one reason. And then there are large economies like Saudi Arabia, which have also picked up that hey, listen, we need to create entrepreneurship 
we can't, you know, it has to be, like if you see the country like Saudi Arabia, there are many, many large, successful family, family-owned businesses here for many years. But if you see entrepreneurship, that has really started in the last decade, you know, and that is because, the, again, the leadership has realized that, hey, listen, we can't, we need to create the next generation of entrepreneurs who are creating other jobs for more people. And there is now a very, very strong focus. In fact, every day I get positively surprised about how forward-looking the, the Saudi government is and what kind of initiatives are being taken. So they are definitely, you know, like I, I keep telling, giving this example uh, to people, like a big part of India, right? They moved from the analog, a big part of India never used the laptop. They went straight to the smartphone. You know, a lot of people who they never had a laptop, they actually were non-digitized, but then they are now went straight into the smartphone and they have the huge computing power in their palms now, right? I think that so the Middle East has similarly taken multiple steps in a, in, a, in a few short years. And the third reason, I think, apart from the, the first one that the cash was already there and the second one being that there's a lot of regulatory government institutional push, the third one is that the entrepreneurial drive has come up a lot if you see for example saudi arabia very very young country you if you when you try to hire and recruit somebody you can see that there are there's a lot of drive and ambition to to join a private sector technology business learn uh, new ways of doing things and at some point try and create their own businesses and i think that's very positive you know if you get a guy who to 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 work for you who's ambitious to become a founder himself you really have you know hired somebody who's who's got above average initiative above average accountability and above average intelligence yes you might lose him because he will go and do his own thing at some point but then that's that's not a problem in fact you know if he's you should encourage having more and more people of those kinds compared to an average guy and and so when you look to hire and especially you're in so many countries right now you start off in in the Emirates. And so when you have expanded, how do you hire in so many different countries? I mean, I'm sure every country comes with its own challenges and difficulties. And so as you've scaled, how has the scaling of your team internally been and any challenges that you face as a result? Right, right. Good question. And, and it's, it's, there's no straightforward answer to that one. For me, I feel that um, you can achieve much more if you build a very strong team. Your question about how do you do that? How do you recruit in so many countries at the same time? I think you need to hire a few key people. For example, every time I'm expanding into a new geography, my personal task is to find the leader for that geography you know who can pretty much mirror what i did when i started trucker in the uae what i can do is i can accelerate his learnings i can tell him that you don't have to be constrained by funds whatever growth i achieved in six months you can achieve it in one month because you now don't have to worry about raising money you you need to just worry about making it happen and we there is so many getting that one key guy in every geography is very important that's what i personally focus on. So if I'm now trying to grow into, for example, Jordan, my objective is to find that one key guy who's going to be able to drive Jordan as the head of that business and then support him with all the learnings that I have received or all the learnings that the other regional leads have received. So he does not have to go through that learning curve and he gets also the help of processes. But then very important is to empower him. You know, give him a, give him an objective that, hey, listen, I am expecting the Jordan business to operate in this manner by this time. And this is how 
Egypt did it or this is how Saudi Arabia is doing it and you know these are the constraints that we felt and we this is how we found those solutions so once he's aligned yes I'm going to work on this path then you don't disturb him don't try to ask him questions on a daily basis give him the powers don't make him come to you for every you know dollar how to spend it and all of that you know don't try and influence every interview let him take decisions of who, who he wants to hire so I think that's how we do it in Trucker, you know, so we build one strong guy and then give him, empower him to build this team. It's really interesting. So you don't, um, so these are truly your expansions. You're not JVing, you're not partnering with anybody else in this new market. So uh, instead of you going in and learning the market and then slowly building that base, you're hiring essentially the, the head of the region or the country or essentially that CEO for that particular country who has years of expertise knowing that market and you're relying on him to take the lessons learned and actually deploy your your structure and your processes. That's, that's our preferred way of expansion. Yes, there are some markets that where we feel that a local partner organization might help and we would explore that, you know, for such markets. But our preferred way is to grow to our own teams and, and that also helps us to maintain compliance to our ways of our processes and all of those things much better. And, and so when you go into a new market, how much of it, because you guys are more of a technology company, why are more locations necessary when you're digital, when you're more so a technology company? Uh, can those be done through your headquarters or and whatnot? Or is it really required that as you expand, you have the boots on the ground making these deals because it is such a fragmented market like you mentioned right i think that's that's a great question and that 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 question would want me to need me to you know open up my business model for you so what happens in a normal tech company say when you're a facebook you know or, or a twitter you can do exactly what you said you can you have a solution that works for everybody and whether the guy is sitting in sydney or sitting in san francisco or shanghai and then facebook works in the same manner you just probably localize the translation and all of those things but the actual implementation or sale of the service does not have to be local it can be on the web right so trucking can also be done in, in a similar way where you can become a solution provider and you can say hey i've got this technology solution where drivers and transporters can come on this platform and companies can aggregate them or access their services through this platform right now, what happens where this fails is that one trucking is is very very operationally heavy now if you think of uber for example right now uber is also similar to trucker in many ways so uber wherever uber has been in parts of the world they have local offices primarily to manage their supply not so much to manage their clients but to manage their supply they have to have a face for the driver when they when they launch and have to have a local incentivization pool plan and all of those things trucker is much more complex now think of the number of uber when you when you are asking for a cab on uber you might get like four different types of cabs right in trucking there are probably 20 different types of trucks that 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 would when when, when i say i want a 12 meter truck 12 meter trailer truck now 12 meter trailer truck with a half meter side grill with no side grill with 1.1 meter side grill whether it's a low bed, it's a semi-low bed, you know. Uh, so there's so many different ways of having the same trailer. And none of these are unique truck types, okay? None of these that I just mentioned to you are unique. They are all common truck types. 
So, so one is the complexity of the operation. Second, when you're moving a truck from A to B, for example, you know the uh, if I if you're moving cargo, even if they give you, I'll give you an US example. So, if you are taking Uber from say Manhattan to New Jersey, or you're taking it from say you know Santa Monica to Burbank, you're doing the same thing, right? The the cargo is is, 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 is still, sorry, the, the person is, 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 the Uber transaction is the same, right? The entire process does not change. But when you're moving cargo, for example, from Seattle to Los Angeles, or you're moving cargo from, say, New York to Houston, it is not the same. You know, it might have different state rules around certain kind of cargo moving. There might be certain road restrictions around certain cities that you're crossing at that time and you're not so it's all very very localized and this thing becomes the complexity increases by a few multiples when you have to cross international borders you know so now if you have to cross cargo from new york to montreal then that completely changes because now you're going to change cross an international border you have to deal with customs so trucking is extremely operationally heavy and that's why if you just create a solution, then people would be like, okay, great, but they won't use it because you are not addressing a lot of these localization kind of things. So, and those operational things can be addressed by technology, no doubt. And that is exactly what we're trying to do. So the amount of dollars we spent on technology and product development that is automating our internal processes versus creating a solution for an external user is probably two is to one. You know, so after, out of every $100 that I'm spending on technology, I'm spending $70 on automating the processes of a typical transportation operations business and only spending $30 on what my client as a cargo owner is using or my client as a driver is using. So there's a lot of automation that's happening in the process. Wow. And, and so you mentioned those, some of those examples in the U.S. What about, let's say, we're going from Saudi to Egypt, international borders. How does that look, particularly in the region that you're currently operating in? And what are some of the hurdles that you've gone through, especially I can imagine so many different countries, so many different borders. Um, the regions are different. Uh, culturally, they're different. Um, legally, the transportation system, I mean, the licensing that you need. Is that something that you, as, a, as an aggregator, need to take some of that responsibility to make it easier for both both your parties that you're providing services for? Or is that, um, for example, in, in an Uber cab, the, it's on the driver that takes the responsibility for maintaining state requirements if they're changing speed limits per state to state. So for you guys in international borders and freight, who takes that responsibility and if it's you guys, how do you minimize and, like you mentioned, automate some of that so that you're easing the responsibility for the truck the trucking sector as well as your consumers for example if you look at the middle east it is you, you rightly pointed out there are so many different countries and they all have international borders so you can think about the how complex would it be if all the states in the u.s created a border with the next state saying you can't cross into it without having people customs at, at every 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 road border so that is how the region is right you're crossing you know, from one country to the other, you cross an international border. And that is one of the biggest complexities because documentation is becomes extremely complex. So, you know, there's a, there are major logistics hub, especially a place like UAE. So we have, you know, the Jabal Ali port, which is one of the largest and busiest ports in the world. Now, you know, there's cargo that comes into the Jabal Ali port. 
but then that cargo goes to the rest of the gcc to saudi arabia to kuwait to 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 oman and the complexity increases for the documentation and i think this is where again like i said one of the one of the you know positives that is happening right now is that a lot of these governments and you know institutions are realizing that the use of technology can improve a lot of this efficiency so if you go on our linkedin i think you'll see one of our recent posts where we are supporting the digitization of the uae saudi border where we are collaborating with one of the institutions who is create, who's digitizing the saudi customs procedure right so these things are happening very very fast but at the moment the complexity is huge so if i have to go from say dubai to jordan i am crossing the saudi border at an entry and then i am again transiting through saudi arabia and then crossing into jordan and that makes it quite a task in terms of the documentation complexity a lot of this has to be dependent on the public institutions especially customs and you know the regional road transport authorities to make sure that either they make the borders much more seamless and find digital solutions so they're not creating bottlenecks and that thing has already started in terms of liability in your question of you know who takes the liability so basic driving liability is taken obviously by the transporter you know if he's going to cross the speed limit and get flashed by a camera then that is his risk uh, you know if he's going to smuggle cargo which he's not declared because he's smuggling something into another country that is his risk um, you know but, uh, but because of the fragmentation that is out there in the market where these are all small transporters he owns one truck he probably does not have the adequate risk taking capacity if something goes wrong like a truck accident if there's an accident that happens and the cargo gets damaged then this transporter or the truck owner does not really have the financial means to compensate or or he does not even have insurance is covering his cargo so that is where trucker actually invests heavily into you know having enough insurance where once the client has claimed through most of the clients or most of the professional clients they already carry cargo insurance of their own you know and we pretty much don't work with anybody who does not so you know and that and that's a fair thing to do you know if you're moving uh, it's like uh, if you're going from a to b and if you don't have travel insurance and if you for and you and you lost something on the way the airline is not going to compensate you but if you if you have not bought travel insurance but if you have travel insurance you know you'd probably you know slightly better off so the cargo insurance is always carried by the cargo owner but we have certain insurances which protects us and the and our supplying driver if if there's a claim on our performance so we are protecting our supply and ourselves like that and you were mentioning that a lot of the responsibility really falls on the public sector when it comes to customs and uh, the regulatory aspect of it so is that something as a startup you guys you guys are pushing for and you guys are leading that charge to to really make that change and to digitize some of these processes or like you had mentioned you're partnering up with another firm that's working on helping with that aspect but with so many countries how do you overcome that challenge and to be a proponent to say hey uh, this is such a such an archaic system we don't need all this documentation we don't need it in this manner let's actually digitize it let's make it more seamless when this is a main component or a, or a very large component of of your business especially 
um, the physical day-to-day -day operation for some of these truckers crossing these borders, how do you make this a little bit more seamless? Or is this something that is really left upon, uh, like you mentioned, the public institutions? So we definitely, you know, as we grow, and this is also, you know, a, a lot of it is a function of your size and your, you know, influence that you can, especially with public institutions and governments, you know, if you are a small transporter, you probably don't even get an appointment, right? Uh, or or no, it's, it's very hard to get your voice heard. I think that in, in those manners, I think Trucker certainly has the scale and the influence now in most of the markets that we are operating in to, you know, uh, um, initiate these kind of conversations, right? So, and, and the good thing is that there is no fundamental pushback anymore. And I think COVID-19, one of, out of all the disasters that has happened in the last six months across the world about COVID-19, I think one of the things that has been a real positive is the push for digitization. I think there's... There's hardly anybody who would now have any kind of an argument or, or any kind of a of a reasonable argument against use of technology or against use of you know digitization of processes. So we, we certainly have the have that influence and, and ability to you know initiate. And we are also looking at you know the thing one of the things that we've learned that when you're dealing with a public institution, one, don't underestimate how much they already know. Okay. So a lot of these people already know what is to be done, but they probably, the machinery moves at a certain speed. You know, the bigger you are, the more slowly you move, right? And that is always true for these public institutions. So if you are going to get impatient or you're going to be, you know, arrogant about being fast and smart technology company, you're not going to get your way into it. You know, they don't really care. So you need to be somebody who initiates things and puts an idea to them. And then you're you, you need to have that perseverance that you constantly, you know, say, hey, listen, how, this is how I can help. You know, you need Mr. Government or Mr. Regulator. You need to take 10 steps. And by the way, I can help you with the first two steps. And we can do this and we can do that. I think that, that is a much more collaborative approach that we found that has worked for us where we become more of a partner and facilitator rather than an industry voice that is demanding something, you know? That's great. And so you had mentioned before that Dubai actually in specific really works as a corporation and works with some of the, the private sector to be able to facilitate and expedite some of these, the regulations, the processes of the ecosystem. So can you go a little bit more into the specifics of how that really has shifted over, let's say, the last five years that Trucker has been operating in, what sort of changes have you seen in the tech ecosystem, the startup scene, and how has the government actually aided in that growth? Well, there are many, many ways that the ecosystem has evolved. And I would like to highlight that, yes, Dubai is probably the front runner in terms of all of this. The biggest change or growth is really happening in Saudi Arabia, the biggest economy here. The the global perception, you know, somebody sitting in the US or, you know, or in London, whatever you guys perceive about Saudi Arabia, good or bad, I don't know. But a lot of times people perceive Saudi Arabia to be this extremely conservative, uh, country with not much fun that's changed so dubai is obviously the front runner i think dubai is probably an inspiration to to the region it's like Lo los angeles and new york are not the same as arkansas or or, or you know tennessee right but but there those states have a lot of people there as well right but so so du probably a dubai is more like a new york or la 
but there's the massive amount of population very young that is in Saudi Arabia and is moving very very fast and i feel that this digitization and entrepreneurship that has that is coming in the last 5 years i think is very distinct in saudi arabia because probably they started from a lower base so i think dubai was digitized dubai was high tech dubai was innovative for last many years i think in the last 5 years it has done extremely well but at the same time dubai is small you know when you when you are running a small when you're driving a small car you can really very quickly navigate through traffic you know but when you're driving a truck it takes you that much longer to navigate so saudi arabia is more like the truck dubai is more like that you know the, the small car it's also dubai is obviously showing how when to navigate and how take how decision making can be implemented very very quickly but saudi arabia is showing all those signs of modernizing as a very large economy so uh, to now tell you specifics for example opening up a company right now opening up a company is is the first thing as an entrepreneur if the economy that you are operating in if that does not have an easy way of creating a company hiring people opening up a bank account then you face so many challenges even before you we have a product that you can sell in dubai you can open a company within a day okay uh, in saudi arabia now which used to be very very bureaucratic you can probably open a company in 3 days you know i would like to mention the ministry of investment here in saudi arabia that used to be known as the saudi arabia general investment authority has done some very radical improvements to encourage entrepreneurship not just by local saudis but also by foreign nationals like myself i i live you know my my home is now riyadh but i have had all the support that i would have received as a local saudi to open a business here you know and this is what i think the pioneering of this is dubai you know dubai is built by foreigners with a lot of support by the locals and i think that is the model that is now being adapted everywhere else but that is one of the biggest things that i've seen changing is how easy it is to become an entrepreneur now i really like that analogy also about the fast car and the truck and so it definitely seems that saudi is that big truck coming our way and uh seems to be a great opportunity for a lot of younger folks and a lot of entrepreneurs uh in that region. So, Garv, you mentioned your various other interests in your career prior to trucker. So, personally being in uh, commercial real estate as well, I'm sure your interests have not changed or you still have some truly vested interest literally and also figuratively on the back of your mind are you still working on any other opportunities for someone that's had such a long career in the real estate world especially on a global scale so uh you know i i live and breathe uh trucker now so you know i'm, I'm from the time i open my eyes in the morning to the time i go to bed in the night i i only you know my entire working time goes into trucker but i do have other interests you know so so i i continue to have a real estate development business in in texas in in dallas and i have a portfolio of multifamily apartments in in other parts of the us uh, i employ about 13 people who who help me manage these things and and i probably spend uh, an hour every every saturday on on a zoom call to understand how things are going and sometimes i even miss that call on a saturday so sometimes it goes to a second saturday but that's about it you know so right now i really don't have the mind space that i used to uh, be able to get into other ventures 
but you know i real estate is something which i know it has been my bread and butter for a very long time uh, both professionally and personally as an investor into that asset class so i think i've had 80% of the learning that is there so i know exactly what can go wrong or you know what is to be done and i am supported by a very strong team so uh, yes those ventures continue but they would continue without me you know so they're pretty much on auto mode as far as my time is involved and, and so trucker is your baby that's where you're truly invested in and you mentioned uh, the series b is coming up as well so as far as the future of trucker how do you envision trucker in a few years as far as regionally where are you looking to expand to and is additional technology also in play where that needs to be built out and so uh, in the upcoming few years in the upcoming decade how do you envision trucker and where is it going to be so trucker can be you know a multi billion dollar business you know i don't want to spoke about valuations and all of that but i just feel that the company the it is it is in a sector which is extremely large it is you know the the logistics and trucking business is significantly larger than the than the passenger transport business like you know a cab uh, you know business uh, globally so we definitely we are certainly operating in a in a in a industry that that pretty much has infinite opportunity to grow Uh, I think we'll have to be. I think trucker will will have to grow in a smart manner. So we'll grow based on two primary things. We'll be following the cargo. So if I am moving a lot of cargo from Saudi Arabia to Europe, then I would probably scale such that I can actually provide a more integrated service to my client. That hey, listen, you're exporting something to Europe, and I can now take care of the entire thing. Or you're importing something from China, I can take care of the entire thing. So it's, our growth will be based on following the cargo that but our focus will still remain on the middle east and north africa so the middle east and north africa or i should rather say the arab peninsula so the arab peninsula starts all the way from morocco algeria libya egypt iraq you know all these gcc countries that we are in right now we probably would raise our growth to the regional economies like maybe pakistan and turkey but that is it i don't think trucker is going to be trying to grow beyond where it does not make sense like we would probably not grow into singapore we probably will not go into go into australia maybe not into the us either so you know we'll have to probably grow focusing on where our cargo is moving and if it makes sense for me to go and move into the us because saudi is moving you know millions of tons every year to the us and it makes sense to you know there is a margin or a convenience opportunity then yes so that's one reason why we would grow the other reason would be some something which is a financial reason to grow you know now we're getting to gradually to a scale where we might have to grow for a balance sheet function maybe we identify a country where there is limited competition right now but it makes a lot of sense to go there and aggregate the fragmented supply then we, and and maybe there's a small trucker there which is trying to do the same thing we might go and say okay you know what let's acquire this company and that becomes more of a growth to you know for 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 financial reasons that okay it might con- add my revenue by another 5% and and rather than having a small company do that there i've already done and know what you know what is the process and i have the solutions let me just you know scale up the same thing into another country that's amazing yeah pretty very excited and uh definitely looking forward to seeing how you guys grow over the next few years I and mean, especially that region to it to be honest you'll really open up uh, my eyes to the region i really didn't know 
been to Dubai a few times, and uh, but it's it's completely night and day from actually living, breathing, and operating in that space to uh, just having heard about it or seen it once or twice. So truly appreciate you sharing your wealth of knowledge and all your expertise with the region about Trucker and also on um, just the entrepreneurial route that has been going on and the mindset shift within that region as well. Thank you so much, Gaurav. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. And while you're there, please do leave us a review if you feel so inclined. Or if you already have, please share with a friend that you think might enjoy the show.